0: You're tuned to Community Radio, KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. It's 6 o'clock, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Although here in Nevada County, most of us have been working on getting back to normal after a record snowstorm, COVID-19 cases are surging all over the state, most of which due to the Omicron variant. Tonight, the California report takes us to the Bay Area and to Los Angeles, where they are reporting increases in hospitalizations. After regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt talks with Nevada County Sheriff Public Information Officer Andrew Trigg about firewood and propane delivery. We close with a commentary by Shirley Frericks.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Holiday gatherings and travel fueled a surge of Omicron cases in California. Now COVID hospitalization rates are ticking up too. Here's KQED's Kevin Stark with more.
0: California shattered previous records for new daily coronavirus cases this week, and the state's test positivity rate is higher than it's been. In most places around the state, hospitalizations remain much lower than earlier surges thanks to vaccinations and a milder variant. But hospital numbers rose in nearly all Bay Area counties over the past two weeks. San Francisco reports more than 100 COVID hospitalizations, a level the city hasn't experienced since September's Delta wave, but nowhere near its peak. Los Angeles and other counties in Southern California recorded big spikes in the number of people in their hospitals with coronavirus, but health officials there say many patients learned they were COVID positive incidentally only after being admitted for another reason. With many health workers falling ill or quarantining, county health officials say they are concerned about having the staff to run hospitals.
1: For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. In San Diego, the city's fire department has implemented an emergency staffing plan as more than 130 firefighters isolate after testing positive for COVID-19. The fire department has closed several units each day since the new year to compensate for the staffing issues. Fire Chief Colin Stowell tells KPBS in San Diego they're still focused on keeping communities safe.
2: By us going into this with a plan and picking the units that we're going to close down. We're trying to ensure that the response times are not significantly impacted and they see longer wait times. We have made sure that there are units in those fire stations that can still respond to those emergencies.
1: Stowell says he expects the number of firefighters who test positive for COVID to continue to increase in the weeks ahead. One other issue that could make things more difficult, the deadline for San Diego City employees, including firefighters, to get vaccinated was this past Monday. That means employees who are not fully vaccinated or have not been granted a medical or religious exemption could be terminated. This week the California legislature reconvenes. Yesterday on the show we spoke to state assembly speaker Anthony Rendon, a Democrat, about the legislative year ahead and his party's priorities. Today we get a republican view from the other house of the state legislature. It comes from Scott Wilk, the leader of the republican caucus in the state senate. We started by asking the senator about republican goals for this session.
3: So obviously we're we're in the we're in the super minority. So it it is difficult to to have an impact. I believe we did last legislative session. Uh, we were able to press the governor with with help from some of our Democratic allies in the legislature to do some things that maybe he didn't want to do or did bigger than he wanted to do. Uh, this year, I really see our goals is, is twofold: one, restoring the constitutional balance of power making the legislative branch co-equal with the with the governor's office. Uh, you know, when we granted him the emergency powers, uh, we did it reluctantly, and we did it based upon the information that we were given at the time by Dr. Galley, who said that the coronavirus was highly infectious, and we should expect 25 million Californians to come down with it, and out of those 25 million, 3 million were going to die. That's what we are armed with, and obviously you have to give the executive some flexibility in order to, to meet a crisis. But clearly, that's not come to fruition. And it's really time to, to, to rein that power in and restore our rightful voice in the process. You know, I understand why my Democratic colleagues didn't want to do it last year. You know, we're in the midst of a recall, didn't want to embarrass him. But I, I really hope that we will stand up and, and, and do the right thing because we all benefit from better balancing gov- government. So that's one. And number two, you know, protect the taxpayers. We had an unbelievable budget year last year. To the shock of all, uh, looks like it's going to happen again this year. And we want to make investments in, in things that matter. You know, we've got we've got the GAN limit, and so under the GAN limit, uh, we can rebate money back to taxpayers. We can invest in in public education, which I'm supportive of. Although I'd like to see some reforms, and we can do one-time infrastructure.
1: Let's talk about raw numbers and clout. There are 120 seats combined between the Assembly and the Senate. Uh, In the Assembly, 28 seats uh, are held by Republicans. In your house, the Senate, 40 seats. There are nine of you. There are nine Republicans. So given those numbers, what can you accomplish? And, And please don't take offense, but do Republicans matter?
3: I w- when I got up here, I was at, at 14, then 11, and then nine, and, and, and clearly there's a big difference. When we were at 14, we worked with moderate Dems, and we, kill, we killed a lot of stuff. When we were at 11, less so, uh, and then last year at nine, really the only kind of the most egregious bills, I would like to see a center-right coalition where we actually can pass stuff. Uh, that does not exist today. So the first step toward that, though, to be honest with you, was the redistricting process. As you know, we have an independent citizens commission that does it. Uh, they do it every 10 years. And if you look at the California target book and you look at other uh, other entities that track this, they show that Senate Republicans going plus three uh, under the present map. Uh, our data shows us the ability to go plus four. And if we can get up 13, 14, boom, all, all of a sudden, you know, we can, we can kill a lot more stuff. And then that, get, that does give us a seat at the table.
1: What would be your advice then to Republicans running this year?
3: First of all, talk to everybody. Uh, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we've not done well at. You, know, you need to connect with people and then talk to them about the issues they care about. I think too many times, too many of, of my compadres want to relitigate issues they've already lost instead of taking it to uh, to uh, issues that, that we can we can win. So, mm-hmm. you know, transparency and accountability in government really becoming serious about addressing, you know, the homelessness, wildfires, water storage, educational reform. I mean, there's all kinds of things that I think we prevail on that I think more voters agree with us than not. All
1: right. That is State Senator Scott Wilk, leader of the Republican caucus in the state Senate. Senator Wilk, thanks for joining us on the California Report.
3: Thanks for having me and and happy new year to you and all your listeners.
1: Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt. Whose philanthropy
0: includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing defendable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash care. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org.
1: And that is the California Report for Wednesday, January 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening.
0: Locally, Nevada County reported 34 new lab-confirmed COVID-19 cases today. 450 total cases are active. 11 are listed as hospitalized. Today, in a media Q&A, Nevada County Deputy Health Officer, Dr. Glenna Troche, confirmed that Omicron is present here in Nevada County.
4: We know that Omicron, uh, we know that at least there have been in the past two weeks, at least four cases of Omicron in Nevada County. Not a lot, but we don't get a lot of whole genome sequencing. So we know that Omicron is here and it's been circulating probably for several weeks in addition to Delta which is also still here and still circulating and still making people sick.
0: Dr. Trochet stressed that although people are growing tired of wearing masks and physical distancing, these are the things, along with being fully vaccinated, that will help us move past the pandemic as quickly as possible. According to KCRA 3, California health officials will extend an indoor mask mandate at public places for another month, as the Omicron variant has led to concerns about strains on the hospital system. Dr. Mark Galley, the state's top health official, said the mandate would be extended through February 15th. The original one month mandate had been set to be reevaluated on January 15th. Some counties, including Yolo and Sacramento, already had local indoor mask mandates in place. Turning now to regional weather, in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, expect areas of fog, otherwise mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly clear, with a low around 40 degrees. Tomorrow, expect more fog, before 10 a.m., then it'll be sunny, with a high near 55. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy, with a low around 27 degrees, tomorrow, mostly sunny, with a high near 44. And in Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, expect patchy dense fog after 1am, otherwise mostly cloudy, with a low around 46. Tomorrow in Sacramento, more patchy dense fog, becoming mostly cloudy, with a high near 54. With thousands of people without electricity and quickly running out of propane, the county has intensified its efforts to provide people with firewood. Up next, Felton Pruitt talks to Public Information Officer Andrew Trigg about the details.
2: We're talking with Andrew Trigg from the Nevada County Sheriff's Public Information Department, uh, also covering EOC right now. Andrew, it's... a uh... I don't know what day what this is. It's Wednesday evening now, and a lot of people still without power. Let's get to it. Uh, what can you tell people about tomorrow's firewood deliveries at the certain locations?
5: Yeah, well, uh, as, as mentioned, you know, today we're on day 10, which we were counting this morning. Couldn't believe it's already been that long. Uh, with tomorrow being day 11, we'll still be offering uh, wood available for pickup uh, in several areas throughout the county. It will still include the pickup areas that have been listed on our website as well as on Facebook. And that includes uh, the Eric Reed Government Center. We've got a pickup point in uh, Cascade Shores, one at the Alta Sierra Fire Station next to the Gulf course, as well as the uh, Peardale Chicago Park Fire Department. So we have uh, more more wood being delivered today, tomorrow. And, and kind of the fascinating thing about that is we're able to source a lot of the wood locally from people who have uh, signed up through the Fire Safe Council to donate some. There's people, uh, as we speak, even this evening out there, still uh, getting wood uh, split and prepared for neighbors, And then we also have more wood coming in from places as far away as uh, Southern California and Oregon as well. So we'll continue the wood effort. The one thing that we do uh, certainly ask of anybody who is partaking is that they only take what they need for kind of the immediate future uh, to, to remain warm. While it uh, may seem like we've got quite a bit to go around, it is a very hot commodity and people need to just limit what they take.
2: Yeah, I know that on Monday we were announcing the locations, and within a half an hour, a lot of them were out of wood because people just went there and grabbed them. So this all starts, what, after 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, you can go to these places?
5: That is correct. After 8 o'clock tomorrow, they'll uh, be open and we'll be ready uh, to uh, disperse more wood. A lot of people were
2: getting frustrated that, oh, yeah, we heard, we go, and then we went there, but they were out by then. Uh, You think they're going to be stocked enough by tomorrow morning that they're not going to be running out, or do you anticipate maybe that happening?
5: Well, we'd love to say it's an unlimited source. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not. You know, the crews are trying to keep up uh, with the demand and splitting new wood as quickly as they can. We have uh, 20 cords that are slated for delivery uh, throughout the day tomorrow from outside sources. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, probably not the best answer for some folks, but it's just go out there and see what's available. Sometimes you can even stand by. They might tell you that in the next, you know, half an hour or hour, um, another delivery will be coming. But uh, as you mentioned, the uh, supply is just kind of coming and going pretty quickly, and it's frankly kind of hard to keep track as to, you know, what the status is at each site.
2: Are they planning to restack, restock each st- site uh, starting on Friday then and then again on Saturday as well, do you know?
5: Uh, we can't speak into the weekend yet. We're hoping that we'll see significant restoration, um, as uh, noted from pg es most recent uh, updates. So, Hopefully, the need for wood for community members will continue to decline as we have seen. uh, But we will make the wood available for as long as you know the supply is available, and as long as people need it with power outages.
2: Okay, let's uh, switch over to propane now. I saw an article about um, them waiving uh, somebody waiving the uh, time limit on propane drivers, uh, because I think they're limited to, what, eight hours a day or something. And they're talking with the California Highway Patrol about suspending that so that propane drivers could work longer hours. Have you heard anything about that?
5: We have. We've uh, we've done a lot of internal work. Uh, Steve Monahan, our chief information officer, who also works out of the ESU with us, has been working uh, real hard with the uh, Western Propane Association. Um, to hopefully get their input and get their buy-in and get their um, assistance when it comes to local propane deliveries here uh, within Nevada County. But the propane companies are able to uh, request what they call an hours of service waiver that uh, is issued or signed off by the California Highway Patrol. And what that does is allows the drivers to operate for more hours in a day. So uh, rather than you know, being able to make, let's say, 15 uh, you know, stops or 15 a tank fill-ups a day perhaps with the extension of hours that they can operate in that commercial vehicle setting they might be able to do 30 to 45 different deliveries so as of last night we heard that three of the main local companies so suburban propane Amerigas, and ferrogas had requested those hours of service waivers uh, we have not heard back officially if those have been granted yet Okay. And
2: let's also just talk a little bit about uh, people that have propane tanks that are waiting for them to get filled, uh, cleaning your own areas so that the tanks can get there. The propane drivers, of course, when they show up at a place that needs to be shoveled or whatever, they'll get out and do it, but then they waste a lot of time taking care of one customer when they could fill another four tanks while they're doing that. So if the public would actually help them by clearing the driveways and the access to the tanks, that might help. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, one of the biggest problems our propane delivery drivers are facing is they they arrive at somebody's house, uh, you know, with a good intention to get their tank filled and move right along to the next neighbor, But they're being met with uh, propane tanks that are still covered in snow and completely inaccessible. So the driver, you know, again, wanting to get the the propane delivered to that house uh, is spending, you know, upwards of an hour to be able to dig out that propane tank before they can fill it and move on so it's uh, severely limiting the number of uh, deliveries that they can make during a shift even if they were to receive some hours uh, or some waivers to be able to operate longer so we really are asking for the community to work together maybe you're unable to do it but perhaps there's a neighbor a kid or somebody else that can help you out so uh, do what you can to make sure that your propane tank is easily accessible not only that the truck can you know drive close enough to it but also that the driver has the ability to bring a hose to it and can You know, walk safely in the area and then certainly access the tank. So please uh, do what you can. It'll speed up the propane deliveries, it'll get more propane to more neighbors.
2: I don't know if you're the right person to ask about this, but let's talk about uh, welfare checks Um, now—wellness checks, rather. Uh, I called in a wellness check on somebody in Lost Lake on uh, Saturday, and no one's still been out to their house. I've been checking on the lady, and she's getting by. Uh, I know folks up in Cascade Shores are having the same issues. Uh, How do we we make this work a little bit better so that uh, we can get to the elderly and the people that are really trapped?
5: If you're speaking specifically of welfare checks um, from the Sheriff's Office perspective, every, every call that we've received uh, has been handled. And looking at the, the active board at the moment, there is uh, one welfare check that's waiting for a deputy to become available to go out and handle it in the Altasier area. Uh, but we've, since the onset of the storm, we've received uh, nearly 1,000 uh, different welfare checks, and all of those have been handled. And luckily, all of those uh, folks that we've checked on have found to be in uh, good health simply without communications or power. So uh, just trying to reconnect people. If if there's somebody that you're concerned about, if you're unable to check on them or unable to have a neighbor check on them, uh, certainly give the sheriff's office a call and we'll get somebody out to do that welfare check.
2: Now, was it the proper procedure to go through 211 first or should they call you guys directly?
5: 211 is a great resource if you're looking for information. Uh, They're able to connect you with different resources throughout the county. If you're looking for somebody to physically go out to a residence and conduct a welfare check, then the sheriff's office or the municipalities such as Grass Valley PD, Truckee PD, or Nevada City PD would be the appropriate phone call to make.
2: Now, I have to imagine you guys have been slammed and way over overworked. Um, have you been able to bring in resources from outside of the county?
5: Uh, law enforcement and fire mutual aid uh, is always something that we research. You know, anytime that we have any sort of a natural disaster or fire. Uh, Cal Fire, I know, has brought in some from uh, some crews from the Placer County and perhaps even the Yuba County area. Uh, law enforcement has been working very closely uh, internally within Nevada County Partners, the Grass Valley PD and Nevada City PD. So we haven't had to reach outside for official mutual aid, uh, but certainly always a resource if we become bogged down here.
2: Is there anything else you want uh, our listeners to know,
5: Andrew? The biggest thing is that you know Nevada County residents are really resilient, whether it be uh, a fire or perhaps this winter storm or even the public safety power shutoffs we face during the summer sometimes. We have really resilient residents and we appreciate that. Everybody has you know really maintained their calm and and cool, uh, even you know being without power for ten days and the challenges that come along with that. But we've received a lot of real positive uh, feedback from the community as to how they're doing. Uh, how the welfare checks have been going and and whatnot. So, uh, you know, hang in there. We'd love to say everything will be turned back on tonight, but uh, PG&E is working their hardest. If you happen to see a PG&E worker or another uh, line crew out in your front yard, you know, just stop and thank them for a second. Uh, Many of them, some I got to meet this morning, are in this exact same boat. They don't have power at their own houses, but yet they're still climbing the pole, you know, in front of yours to get your power back on. So, Uh, Just be patient. Hard to say 10 days into this, but be patient. We'll get there. And we just really appreciate everybody working together and taking care of each other.
2: All righty. Well, thank you so much for all the information and time. We've been talking with Andrew Trigg, the uh, public information officer for Nevada County Sheriff's. Uh, We wish you the best out there. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much.
0: Imagine if we could make the recycling bin obsolete. Grass Valley resident Shirley Freericks shares her thoughts in this week's commentary.
4: A new year, new beginnings, time to take a fresh look at what needs regenerating in our community and our country. You may have heard or read about the need to regenerate the very ground upon which we stand and live. Give life back to the soil. Master Gardeners teach about how to do this with healthy soil additives, composting food scraps. Composting is a kind of miracle transformation, fascinating for children to watch and be part of. What else needs regenerating besides soil? Our attitudes? Attitudes about what matters in creating healthy environments and healthy futures for people and our natural resources? Can we review our consumption patterns? When is enough enough? Can we think end of life of a product or a piece of clothing before we buy it? The goal is to keep things out of the landfill, where they create methane and greenhouse gases. There's so much stuff. You know, the stuff that mostly does not biodegrade. What can we do with it? You know, rather than tossing it in the trash, can it be repaired, repurposed, given to a needy person? We can refill bottles rather than keeping on buying more plastic containers that go to landfill. Our own Gaia store in Nevada City has lots of products that you can put in an existing bottle from home. Reusing plastic bags is an easy one. I vowed never to buy another one or take another one. We can tell the grocery store managers we will not keep buying stuff in plastic bags, single-use plastic bags and over snacks and stuff. We can say no. They can do their part, and our part is to speak up and say no to plastic and other stuff that won't biodegrade. This year's New Year resolution is to regenerate renew, reuse, refill, repurpose, and mostly review our buying habits and reduce stuff in the first place. We can make the recycle bins obsolete.
1: The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors.
0: That's our newscast for January 5th, 2022. Stay tuned to your community radio station for the latest updates from Nevada and Placer counties, PG&E, waste management, and more. Those updates begin tomorrow at 8 and will continue on the top of every hour until 5 p.m. If you're between the ages of 15 and 18, you can get paid to make radio this spring as part of KVMR's Youth News Corps. Learn radio journalism skills like storytelling, sound mixing, interview skills and radio production, and complete your very own radio series. You'll work with professional journalists and build confidence in a fun, supportive, and hands-on environment. No previous experience is necessary. Open to teens ages 15 to 18 who live in Nevada County. This after-school program runs from March through May 2022 on Zoom. The final application deadline is February 5th, 2022. For more information, visit kvmr.org and find the Future of Journalism link on the front page. Thanks for listening. I'm Claudio Mendonça, wishing you a safe evening.